Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, trauma therapist Sandra Lax will join us. We'll talk about our collective trauma and what's the difference between anxiety and trauma during this pandemic. That's coming up after 10.15, but first... Calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514-800. Time to answer your questions then uh, that you can send to me by email to laurie at drlaurie.com or you can feel free to send them along right here right now to 514-800 to text in your questions. So here's a, a email I got. I'm sitting here crying alone. I've been seeing a man for the last six months. He claimed to live in Terrebonne and I had no reason not to think differently. He works in the security industry and has called me many times from work or from his cell. He told me he does not have a home phone and did not think too much about that. Many people now have no home phone. I do drive and have a car, but my daughter has it most of the time. Whenever I called his cell or texted, he usually answered or replied within a few minutes. Yesterday night, I received a call from a number I did not recognize, and when I called the number back, I was told it was a mistake call, no sorry, just a fast hang-up. This afternoon, for fun, I decided to do a reverse lookup, and lo and behold, the name that came up was my boyfriend's name. I called the number again today, and it rang and rang, no answer. To add insult to injury, the address was not in Terbun, but in Dorval. Curiosity made me drive over there, uh, over, and there was a car in the driveway, not his, but a car. I got out, rang the bell. A woman answered. I asked her, do do you know A and uh, his name? She asked who I was before answering, and I told her. She said, that is my husband. I showed her a photo from my phone, and her face dropped and broke into tears as I did. I explained to her how I tried calling but no answer, and she told me her home phone has not worked all day. I guess he cut something, realizing his mistake. I told her I was so... Uh, sorry, I had no idea. We spoke for about 30 minutes, telling me that uh, telling me that it explains his after-hours work. I promised her I will never contact him again or take any calls and deleted him as a contact on my phone in front of her. She seemed to be such a nice woman, attractive and devastated. I did give her my number. I don't know why. When I was leaving, I turned to her crying, saying, I'm so sorry, and with her crying, told me it is not my fault. I met him on a dating site. I got taken in. I am heartbroken more for her than myself. I feel like a fool and I cannot imagine how she feels. I hope she calls me. I don't see why she would, but my heart goes out to her. I should have been more careful like you've advised many times. And I even recalled a poem about cheaters. There was good advice in that poem too. Whoa, that's a a heavy-duty story, but I'm sure not uncommon, unfortunately. So could you imagine the scenario, right? You, You have a little doubt in your head. You decide to go check it out, and you find out the guy you met on a dating site, when you meet somebody on a dating site, unless it's a seeking arrangements or a Ashley Madison or, or a site for cheaters, then you would expect the person to be single, right? Well, in this case, no. So what can we, 
what can we all learn from this woman's devastating or this betrayal, basically, her thinking she was with a single guy only to find out he was married, and now, of course, you know, t- two people, her and and the wife, are uh, uh, upset and have been um, betrayed. What do you do in a situation like this? How do you protect yourself in the future? And maybe doing Google searches on people is not a a bad idea just to make sure they are who they say they are. You know, you can do a reverse image search as well because sometimes you're meeting somebody and you, the the picture that they're showing is not them. So there's something there. Um, Maybe we should bring this up with our sex tech guy to see if there's any, uh, any other things that we uh, we could do. I think I, if it was me going out dating now, I think I'd be doing some research and, and maybe Googling their name and really looking through Facebook and, and whatever. I know it sounds stockish and what have you, but it's a way to kind of protect yourself because you actually don't know who, um, who you're meeting. Plus we have all these tools now. Why not get a little bit of background info on the person and you know, try and get some of those, like be aware of the hints. Like for example, you're dating a guy for six months and he never, uh, you never, you're never invited to his place. Why are you never invited to his place? Um, ask, uh, to spend a weekend together and they can't, why can't they spend the weekend? Or maybe they can only see you between this time and this time. Like these should be red flags for us to realize that maybe this person is not who they say they are, or maybe they are not really available. Um, and they, uh, they're doing it on the side without letting you know. So this is, uh, it's, it, it is a bit scary when you hear stories like this. I don't blame you for, uh, you know, being weary of the whole online dating thing, but that doesn't mean that's most people. So I don't want people to think that this is most people who are on dating sites are lying and they're really married and, and blah, 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 or that all men are cheaters or all women are this, or all men are this, because that's, that's not the case, but doing your due diligence and doing and taking care and, and, and doing things that, um, to make you feel a bit more secure, get more information. I I think that's fine. I think we should definitely do that. Uh, one of my friends, uh, this person writes was recently diagnosed with testicular cancer. I never really thought of that as being a problem since we're all young, but now I'm starting to worry about every little thing. I'm not comfortable asking him about how he figured it all out. And I don't want to seem like a hypochondriac, but what are the odds that a young guy gets testicular cancer? Is there a way to test for it? That's a really good question. You should know testicular cancer is rare. But having said that, it is the most common cancer in younger men, younger men, meaning 15 to 30, 15 to 35. Um, So, which is why, you know how women do breast exams, men, young men should learn how to do testicular exams, like just feeling around just like women do with their breasts to check for lumps, because the most obvious sign uh, is that you would feel a lump or an enlargement in either of uh, your uh, testicles. Sometimes people will describe also a heaviness in the testicle. It might be accompanied by uh, back pain even. 
Usually you find this in one testicle. So this type of cancer usually happens only in, in uh, one testicle. You should also know that testicular cancer is highly treatable, but don't ignore anything. If, if you feel anything different in your, uh, in your testicles, if you feel any lumps or swelling, then, uh, and especially if it doesn't go away for two weeks, you go see, uh, a doctor and then, uh, they can uh, they can check it out. Text writes in back in the day, my grandfather was receiving letters to a different address, so she went to the address and found my grandfather in the house. How was it for you to discover that your grandfather was cheating on your grandma? That's not pleasant either. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about trauma, a different kind of trauma, because what I just described was also traumatic. Um, talking about the difference between anxiety and trauma and what is collective trauma, because we're all in this together. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Tonight, let's talk a little bit about uh, trauma and how we may be experiencing what's known as a collective trauma. You know, we, we often hear, we're all in this together. Uh, let's not forget, we are together in this, and but we're also suffering together. Uh, joining us tonight is Sandra Lax. She is a trauma therapist, and uh, you know her also as our addictions uh, counselor who uh, was on regularly talking about uh, addiction, but she also deals with trauma. Sandra, so happy to have you back on the show. It's so good to be back, Lori. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, I miss your voice on the radio here. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what collective trauma is all about. Yeah, it's, it, it's a great question. And it, I mean, completely relevant to right now. It's when, so first let me just, let me define trauma. So trauma is an experience or event that basically overwhelms the nervous system. Okay. So it's very biological in nature. It's psychological in nature, emotional in nature, um, but very biological. It's like having your foot kind of on the the gas and the brake at the same time. Right. It's not your something we just... think about, though. We don't think about it being something biological either. Like we think about, when we think of trauma, we think of pain and we think of yeah. emotional pain, but we don't really think about what it's doing to the brain necessarily. Absolutely. To the brain and to the body. And I mean, trauma body, is yeah. stress on the body, right? So mm-hmm. cortisol levels go up. That's our stress hormone. Our limbic system, which is sort of the emotional center of the brain, um, sort of at the back of the head, the emotion, the the limbic system, um, also called the primordial brain, gets overactive. So that's why people who experience trauma have, you know, recurrence of flashbacks. That's why they suffer from nightmares or trouble sleeping or hypovigilant. It's because their, their nervous system is on overdrive. Okay. So that's what that's what one person might experience. So what we're seeing right now in society is a group of people, in fact, a large group of people, society in general, experiencing feelings that mimic a trauma response. Trauma is um, a version of anxiety. It's a heightened version of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So essentially, we could say that there's many people in society today who are experiencing anxiety. And for some 
population, from some portion of that population, it may be traumatic, per- particularly for people who have past experiences with trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, collective trauma um, means that we're 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 all experiencing some heightening of our nervous system around the same event. Right. And I think everybody to some degree, I don't think anybody has gone, has been untouched by this. Like I don't particularly feel anxious, but I know personally that I've had a few really bad nights sleep. And, and some of that has been like, you know, either scary dreams or something that's related, like waking up anxious, which is not my usual self. So I know even though I'm handling things fine on a day-to-day, there's a part of me that is because of the uncertainties and because of the the worries as well, right? Worrying about my parents and worrying about different things yeah. that is affecting me even at a level that um, I, you know, that I may not be like in my day-to-day aware of. That that's you know that's so true for so many people, and I notice it even in myself, Laura. I. I've had difficulty sleeping. Um, I know that sometimes I'm worried when I go out for a walk and someone gets too close, like, right. you know, those symptoms. And and so, what you know, essentially what that is, is that's anxiety. And it also manifests, like I said, physiologically as well. You know, we might experience more tension in our shoulders. We might, um, you know, we might have more of that stress response to things. So, the the you know, what what I tell people when I'm working with, those with anxiety and what I would say to, you know, the general population right now is it's also about how we respond to it. So right now we're experiencing, I I would, I tell people, I love this statement. I don't know who says it, so I can't credit them, but we're experiencing a normal response to an abnormal event Mm -hmm. and everyone experiences it differently. So we may all collectively have feelings like you just talked about, like, like worry, fear for our loved ones that may be more vulnerable, um, overwhelm, you know, uh, if you are a parent with young ones in the house, you may be completely overwhelmed. Some people have lots of time to reflect. I've heard people say, you know, this is a great time for pause and reflection. And then Mm -hmm. I know, you know, some of my friends and their families, they're like, what time do we have to pause and reflect? Like, that's That's what I'm hearing. That's not a real thing, right? And so we have to really acknowledge that everyone is going through it. And differently, uh, depending on the stage, and just depending on the stage of life they're in. Like, you know, I was talking to one of my cousins, and she's got three little kids at home, and she's working from home, and she says it never ends for her. And the fact that she's working from home, the the office needs her available almost twenty four seven. Yeah. And I see her running and juggling, and I can't even have a five minute conversation with her. And then there are others, and I can myself included, that I don't have kids at home, and it's it's been actually quite lovely to spend quality time with my husband who I used to never hardly see because of our schedules so absolutely <laughs> it's been and then and then know. yeah sorry and then there are those people who have you know been diagnosed with COVID and are struggling for their lives right yes, now or exactly. who have lost a loved one and can't have the proper burial that they want to have I mean there I just can't say enough about how different this experience is for everyone. What I really want to say and what I I definitely want to talk about is what to do in response. So, you know, 
there are a few things that have been helpful for me and have been helpful for the people that I love. Number one is making every emotion okay. Right. So, you know, they're, they're in the early stage of this, you know, when we were sort of like, I call it being grounded, mm-hmm. like we're being grounded and kind of locked in our places. Um, Cause I was in the U S when this happened. So I had to come back and self quarantine for 14 days. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I went through a period of like, there was a lot on the news and there, you know, I was home and I was watching TV and I was like, what's happening here and trying to grasp things. And so I would have emotional swings that I might not have. Right. Um, yeah. New, new so, feelings, right. That, that yeah. I was like, suddenly when I came home, I was like, I was panicked about all my clients that I suddenly wouldn't be able to see because I was told to, that I would have to quarantine before, yeah. after I left. So I couldn't even arrange anything. How am I going to get my files? Where am I going to, what are my clients going to do? And I can't, I, I don't want to abandon anybody. And then I'm like, yeah, like, like things that I would have never had to think about was, yeah. uh, was, was quite anxiety provoking. Absolutely. Well, we've never been through anything like this. So this is new for everyone, you know, the helpers and the people who need help and, and everyone's the same going through this, right? Like, so, um, so what I would say is allow every feeling that you have to be okay. Hmm. Don't get upset. Don't, you know, don't beat yourself up for having feelings. Don't beat yourself up if you're overwhelmed. Don't beat yourself up if you get super fatigued and need a nap, you know, um, and you may not be someone who naps. So this is, you know, there there's something called secondary trauma as well. So we learned a lot about this uh, in 9-11. Yes. Where people who walk, consistently watched the planes go into the building, and, like uh, on their TV, and, and, you know, watched the footage over and over again, they started to experience trauma themselves. Right. So... Uh, also limiting the, and I've had to do that. I've done, I've chosen to do this myself is limiting the amount of television and news that you watch. Yeah, me too. You know, you will know what you need to know. And if you can set a boundary with yourself, you limit the impact of the trauma on yourself. So, um, you know, just reminding oneself that, you know, there, there are places where it's, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid, especially if you're in, I think about people in nursing homes, you know, I think about them and I think about their families who are on the outside feeling so helpless. Cause that feeling of, to me, that feeling of helplessness and not being able to be close to people that you love who are hurting is the most painful. I, I can't think of anything more painful than yeah. to watch your loved one in pain and and not be able to to be there for them. Like to me, that's something else. I just want to share a text from somebody. It's a whole other different way of looking at it, but they're saying uh, that you are attempting to justify an unlogical fear, get the facts, drop the fear. But that doesn't, like that's not the truth like you can't not, um, it's not about fear. It's about uncertainty and about, uh, about our lives being turned upside down. So you can get the facts. You, we may not be afraid of dying of COVID or, but we are, um, overwhelmed by the, the, all the collateral, like everything around this. Absolutely. I mean, facts are, are helpful, but we don't need to eliminate, like, that, that's what I also want to say as a trauma therapist. 
we don't want to eliminate fear, right? Like fear is an emotion that's necessary. There's a global pandemic right now. That's right. So, you know, and, um, and although you may not be someone in sort of the vulnerable population, like I'm afraid, I I feel fear for people that I love who are vulnerable. My parents are 70, you know, so we are doing extra, extra precautions. Um, my father has an underlying health condition. So we are like really, really doing this. Like we have a whole routine and system. It doesn't mean that I don't feel fear. It means that I feel like I have a little bit more control, but again, all feelings are healthy. It's when they are prolonged and intensified, um, where it becomes, um, harmful for your system to recuperate. Right. So that's why things like you're hearing probably a lot of people say, you know, continue with your routine, do some yoga, do some deep breathing. I can't tell you, I do breathing for 20 minutes a day. I do this Wim Hof breathing. My um, One of my best friends teaches the course online, and it, it has absolutely changed how my day is going. I, 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 I used to hate when people tell me to breathe or teaching <laughs> breathing techniques, but it really makes different again trauma is about your nervous system being dysregulated right and so you want to do everything possible to regulate your nervous system and let me say this if you are if you are feeling really sensitive right now and you are really scared and you need to have duvet days (laughs) we'll talk about duvet duvet days. days yeah coming up what is a duvet day and do you need one? And if so, it's all good. You have our permission. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Trauma therapist Sandra Lax joins me tonight. We're talking about trauma. Now, I just want to share a couple of emails, and this one person writes in, and I guess I've heard this this talk before. Uh, H1N1 was a bigger killer than this thing. The yearly flu is killed more per year. This was hyped as worse than the Spanish flu. What is being done isn't helping. Illogical fear is harmful. This spreads the same as any flu virus or even the common cold. The death rates haven't gone up above average year to year. Why? Logical question. Fear will refuse to even look for an answer. So, of course, there's a whole lot of people who are looking at this and saying they don't get it, right? Because we do know that the flu kills a lot of people every year anyway. I don't really want to debate it necessarily, but we ha- still have to deal with what is. And again, it's whatever go- whatever our government has decided, wherever we're at as, as, as the world and how we're responding to this, at this point, um, whether, whether it's illogical, logical, we still have to deal with the consequences is what I'm trying to say. Like we're still under Correct. isolation. We still have to practice social distancing. We still have to do all this stuff. So regardless of what you think, I, I don't think that people's fear is so much in the, oh my goodness, I'm going to catch it. Uh, that's not what I've been hearing. It's more about the fear of spreading it to loved ones or vulnerable people. I would not want to be responsible for someone else's demise in that way, yeah. right? 
Like, yeah, and also, you know, fear not related to actually getting sick, but financial insecurity or financial right. There's um, like many other things. At this time, and so you know, the fear is not just in the illness; it's it's the holistic perspective of what it causes. But to the point, actually, that the person um, texted in earlier about looking for the facts. So, you know, what what I've noticed is that, like, we have a news cycle that is just, it just is ongoing. It's 24-7. Right. And, um, and there is a lot of fear-based energy that's put into that and information that's put into that news cycle. I really saw something interesting, and anyone can Google this. Um, facts are helpful to counteract some level of fear. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a look at how many people got the disease in each uh, country and how many people died from the disease in each country. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did it by numbers. So, uh, and so that it looks like a lot of numbers. And someone did, took the time, um, someone who uh, wrote this piece, I, I, I can't source it because I don't remember where I saw it, but mm-hmm. if you Google it, I'm sure you can find it, that uh, based on percentages per country, mm-hmm. how many people were getting COVID. And the percentages were very low. So the numbers appear big, but the percentages were like zero point like one percent. Right. So I think that is a point that like the where facts can help fear, and and being really paying attention to where you get your information, um, and uh, and also being aware of yes, this is you know whether you believe in it or not, the consequences are the same for everyone. Well, listen, you know. It... Uh, it just in my circle, so it's a little bit not my inner circle, but let's say my outer circle, I have known three people who have died from COVID-19. Yeah. So yeah. again, um, would those same three people have died if this hadn't been around? Like, right. you know, no. I mean, one of them had attended a wedding <laughs> during this time and a bunch of people got it and he was vulnerable. He had other uh, pre-existing conditions. Another one was a physician who was working yeah. with COVID patients and he died. Um, yeah. Another one was in a nursing home. So again, like I think we're all going to know at least one person who has died from that. And that, that just brings it home. Whereas exactly. when, it, when, when you talk about the flu, like, I don't know, like, yes, I know people die of the common flu and, and what have you, but I don't know. It just feels like a whole other level, this thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think about people on the front lines, right? And um, so my my sister-in-law is a nurse. She's been going to the hospital every day, doesn't have enough, uh, like, equ- equipment, um, face masks, things like that. And, you know, and, and even the fear, like, the, the conscious or unconscious fear about holding that energy for, you know, whether you are on the front lines or whether you love someone on the front lines, that's that's also anxiety provoking. Of course. You know, there's a, there's a lot, I mean, there's so much we can talk about. There's so much about this we can talk about. So it's just fascinating to me as someone who studies human behavior, how people are responding. I think the overarching, the overarching umbrella that helps people with anxiety and helps people with experiences of trauma or experiences of grief because a lot of people have lost a lot of things whether it's 
a loved one a or job. whether it's a job or whether it's the wedding. And, and um, I want to say something about that too, is that like no one's grief is better or worse than anyone else. Like I, I shocked myself today because uh, I, I'm choosing to I, uh, social distance in my parents' country house. Um, and uh, they announced that like boating season is canceled for this summer. Oh, wow. Okay. This is such a first world issue. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, <laughs> you know, obviously I'm, wor- I'm way wor- more worried about illness or something, but it was just like something that I was looking forward to that like was another space that I could use, you know, and I do right. love that. In An the escape. Summer. Yeah, I'm wondering yeah. about the golf season. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering if the golf oh, season's going to open up. Yeah. I just have, want to share a couple of texts here. Yeah. Uh, so in response to the, that previous person who wrote in, this guy yeah. needs to be better informed, reads too much fake news. If this was as light as he says, he should look at numbers. If governments did nothing, he may change his view. When it first hit, before the U.S. did anything, it was estimated 125 million Americans would die as a direct cause of COVID-19 if nothing had been done. So, you yeah. know, there are epidemiologists who study this kind of thing. Like, it's not coming out of someone's ass, you know? Like, this is these are numbers and projections yeah. that are and real. Not, yeah, and I'm not here to say what is or what isn't, what's fake news, what's real news. It doesn't, it actually really doesn't matter. Yeah. What what will benefit us? Because at this time, like, my hope is that we rise to the occasion and treat each other with more compassion than we did in the past. If someone has a belief that, you know, we don't need to challenge each other's beliefs. Like, if I have a fear, I don't need anyone to invalidate that that fear right. is happening. Right, right, I right. I just need someone to say, like, okay, it's okay, you're scared. I don't need someone to tell me to stop watching TV or the news. I don't need anyone or that to I'm that. stupid we... for being afraid of this or right. it's just fake and you're just buying into this and whatever other arguments that people are using. Now, I do want to share a few more texts. Of course, we have to check yeah, it. One great. thing that's been good is there's a lot less pollution <laughs> and a lot yep. less traffic on the roads, but we have a... uh, ironically on Earth Day today. So happy Earth oh, Day. Oh, yeah, that's way. right. I think we're doing a good job this year. I think this is the best year so far. <laughs> that's right, which is so, uh, so paradoxical and so interesting, yeah. but the Earth needed this reset, clearly. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. We're talking about uh, trauma and our the collective trauma, really, and the response uh, to the pandemic now, I guess, like six weeks in or something like that. And every once in a while, it's okay to have what Sandra calls a duvet day, where you just snuggle up under your duvet and, heck, I know I did it, binge watch some TV, and that was okay, you know. All of your emotions are okay, and I think uh, Sandra made it very clear that it's it's the when it's prolonged and when you can't get out of it that it can become uh, quite uh, problematic. Just want to share a couple of things. Um, Texter said, "Pisses me off people like that guy. If you're not part of the solution, then you're part of." Uh, the problem that guy writes back saying that report was 2.2 million if we did nothing then the same expert dropped that to 250,000 now now has dropped to 60,000 I am informed that other person isn't well it drops down because of the measures that we have 
taken also. Uh, this text writes in, my sister is about to give birth within the next three to four weeks. Mm. COVID-19 has kind of wrecked her pregnancy. This will be her last baby. It's her fourth. And I've been at the birth of all three other children helping her through. I will not be able to attend this birth. We are so sad, but understand uh, COVID-19 has ruined my sister's uh, last pregnancy. So uh, anyway, the, this is another issue, right? That uh, is problematic. Oh, yeah. That's hard. You know, it's heartbreaking. And you know what, what we really want to make sure we, we don't do is um, this thing called comparative suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, that's, that's a heartbreaking loss. Everyone's grieving different losses. Right. So again, like we were talking earlier, right? And maybe one day it might be something, you know, really silly, like for me, the boating or uh, this person's experience of not being able to be there, uh, you know, while her niece or nephew uh, is born. Another person may be facing the loss of a loved one and not be able to attend the funeral because you're not allowed more than 10 people at of uh, funerals yeah. right now, yeah. so or being with a loved one as they're passing. I mean, we what we what what helps us and protects us from trauma, uh, from experiencing our nervous system dysregulation, is connection and empathy. And empathy looks is three parts. It is self kindness first and foremost. So talking to yourself like someone you love. So like, mm-hmm. I'm really upset you know, that I'm missing the birth of my niece or nephew um, or genderless child, however, you know, the family Mm -hmm. looks at it. Um, And then what we do want to do is want to do something called common humanity, which is recognizing I'm not alone in these losses. You know, there are lots of people with me who also can attend and being aware that, you know, we're not alone and the third one is being really mindful, which means, you know, that we use this word in, you know, in therapy called mindfulness and the wellness community. But really what it means is paying attention and being present. And so paying a present and grieving that loss, you know, and expressing that to, mm-hmm. to you know, someone who you trust, who can hold the space for you to talk about what that, what that loss means for you. Right. Rather so, than compare, like this is what, you know, so often people say, well, this is what you're worried about, or this is what you're sad about. Like there are people who are, you know, it's like that old thing. Why aren't you eating? There are kids in Africa who are not, who are going hungry. You know, it's that old. That helps no one. Exactly. You know, we, sometimes it can be perspective taking, but not in this situation. Like we really, if you, if you want to protect yourself from feelings of trauma, the best thing you can nor- do is normalize your feelings, accept them, and have, and I love this term, it's by a woman named Sherry Salata, who I completely admire, benevolent consciousness. Like we want to put kindness on steroids right now with mm-hmm. ourselves and with other people. Mm-hmm. That's protective. But let me also say this, because there are people who are prone to anxiety and depression, you know, and, and, and who are, you know, I heard of someone who had just come out of treatment for addictions and, you know, normally, and you, you would know this Lori that, you know, ideally it's best for them to be out of the house more, you know, when they're, you know, when they're in early recovery to be in meetings, you know, all very often, at least one a day for 90 days, it's really important to meet up for coffee and have human connection. Mm-hmm. We can't do that right now. Right. So, you know, I really think it's important for people who are who are prone to mental health issues, who are prone to addiction issues, to recognize that 
online therapy is available right now. Yes, we're that all there's doing great it. Mm-hmm. CBT apps that are uh, cognitive behavior therapy apps that really help with um, being aware of your thoughts and retraining them. You know, mm-hmm. so that you don't get into that like extreme tight end state prolonged. Mindfulness um, apps as well. Lots of good mindfulness. Mindfulness apps, apps are mm-hmm. wonderful. I I use Calm personally. Mm-hmm. Um, the Distress Center of Montreal. The phone number is one eight three three four five six four five six six. Like I think, what we unfortunately may see is increase of suicides with people facing issues of loneliness. So if you are feeling suicidal, having thoughts of self harm, please contact the Distress Center or just call nine one one immediately. Mm-hmm. And, I also want to give know, one and, other number, um, Sandra. Yeah. The, the Crisis Services Canada number is one eight six six. Two seven seven three five five three to reach out also. Yeah, I can't, I can't um, say enough about how important it is to connect with people right now, whether yeah. it's on Zoom or phone Agreed. or therapist. Agreed. Um, A couple of know, text messages yeah. to share with you, Sandra. Had to cancel my beautiful May wedding. Again, I've heard these stories many times. So frustrating that with all this talk about opening things up in the next few weeks, we can't get a straight answer on whether we could at least have a church ceremony with our parents and siblings. It's hard to stay informed and hopeful when the official story changes as often as it does. So there's that too, right? That's that's heartbreaking. I think of all the... The money that's been invested in the in the wedding, the planning. The planning. It takes a, a year to plan a wedding for some oh, people. Oh, totally. And yeah. yeah. So, oh, I just my heart goes out to that person. And yeah, but, um, and again, it's not necess- It's not a death, but it it is a loss nope, nonetheless, it's a loss. and it's a Absolutely. disappointment. It's one of like a big disappointment. I've known a few people who've had to cancel their wedding, so that in itself. And then our passion poet weighs in. He writes, we are all in seclusion, many with an anxiety. We cannot go out and be part of society. We are creatures of habit. We need human interaction. We need psychological stimulation. We need mental satisfaction. The virus is a health issue. Social distancing will be too. It will come to the forefront and it may affect you. I think it's affecting all of us. So there's no no question about it. Yeah, and we've talked about, you know, since we've talked about trauma, let's talk about the other side of trauma just for a few minutes if we, if we, oh, we don't have it, do we, Lori? Uh, Yeah, you have a, Uh, you have two minutes. A couple minutes? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, during this time, um, what, what really helps the brain is learning new things. So, or, uh, yeah, is, is learning new things. So if you can find some joy in your day, it can really kind of um, take you out of the space of thinking about this. So one thing I've personally done is uh, my brother and my sister-in-law reached out for support around the kids that are home all the time now because school is mm-hmm. not in session. And so my six-year-old niece, we do uh, most days we do like a dance break. And we call that her technology DJing class. Okay. And then uh, we do a marine biology class because she loves creatures of the sea. So, you know, so I do the research and I'm learning about sea creatures that I've never (laughs) known about before. And then I get to, we get to talk about it and she gets to ask questions and I get to ask her questions. And so, you know, if there's something you can do to help out someone else, it can Mm -hmm. also get you out of your space Mm -hmm. and you can make it fun, you know, like if you're in the house, have a dance party in your kitchen. If you, 
uh, know someone who has their hands full with their little ones, offer to give them like a little course in something because they kids love learning things, you know, just give them a little break from the screen. So I spent uh, also a way I spent the weekend making masks for all my girlfriends. Oh. fashion masks <laughs> it's amazing it's a, doesn't it feel so good Lori yeah and I left them all at the door they came to pick them up <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you know yeah, again it's, it's like it, it keeps you, me busy so it's like therapy to, to exactly. be creative is, a, is is and I'm trying to let people you know get people to, to start doing other things as well like get creative yeah. find another form of therapy for you that keeps your mind busy or, or, or rather your mind empty really while you're being creative and using your hands or doing something else. So it's a good time to discover if you, if you have the time, of course, because it's, again, it is difficult Mm -hmm. with kids, but people don't exactly. And, but you may learn new things to do with the kids that you never thought of doing before. Absolutely. So there's that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sandra, look, it's not over yet, and uh, we may call upon you again. Uh, we'll see how uh, I will be here. How this evolves. In the meantime, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where do they go? Uh, www.sandralax.com. All right. L-A- and LAX like the airport. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sandra. Miss you lots, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in real life soon enough. (laughs) Absolutely. I look forward to it. You take care. Um, Thank you. Thank you all for uh, spending your uh, time with us. Uh, Thanks to Chris Aiken, our technical producer tonight. If you want to connect with me on social media, you can do that at uh, Dr. Lori Betito. Last name spelled B-E-T-I-T-O. Or you can go through my website, drlori.com, where you'll also find all the past podcasts of the shows as well coming up next year on cjd we bring you the ctv national news have a great rest of the evening stay safe and remember to live your life with passion Love in Montreal City.